The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Morning. So let's start. Uh, let's start with a prayer, and uh, then we'll get to some Bible passages here. Uh, dear Lord, uh, thank you very much for this church here, for the teaching that's done. Uh, please be with me. I know I'm unworthy to speak your word, uh, but please speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, people who don't teach in front of the church very much, like me, they, there's a recurring theme every time when in their opening speech they talk about how this is such a weight on them that uh, they know that uh, God is watching what they teach, and they'll be held responsible for this. And um, that is very true. I'm not diminishing that in any way. Uh, I'm nervous for another reason on top of that, too, and that's actually what I'm going to be talking to you about. So uh, that'll make a little more sense as we go forward. Um, But uh, it's not unusual for deacons to be asked to uh, either preach like uh, what John Bunn, you're doing it in a week, and tonight we've got Jorge, I believe, right? Maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, honestly, I, I haven't done it a whole lot. And again, we'll talk a little bit about maybe one of the reasons why that has happened that way. Uh, please turn your Bibles to Matthew 7.21. Matthew 7.21. Probably the number one passage that sun, sends shivers up and down my spine. Matthew 7.20. You're laughing because you just found it. Here we go. Matthew 7.21. Oh, you know what I need to do? I need to make sure I can actually see what I'm doing. Maybe this will make me look smarter. Couldn't hurt. Okay, hold on. Let's get some glasses going here. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name doth many, done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work inequity. So these are people who claim salvation. These are churchgoers. I got shivers right now. Um, So my biggest conviction that comes up, if the pastor says, hey, can anybody take this sermon? For me, it's not so much, am I going to speak the word right? I question the whole thing. I question, it's not even just, am I saved? It's, is this whole religiosity thing a complete fabrication that I've lied to myself the whole time? There is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no God, and I just want to lie to myself to feel good about it. And I look at that passage, and it's scary. So, yeah, you don't want to face that. You don't want to think about that. That's, 
and that's why if there's a group of guys in there who wants to volunteer to preach, you're not going to be the first one to do it. So um, I feel that way when I'm asked to speak. I feel that way. Basically, any, any sermon, and I think, I hope, this is true for all of us, any sermon where you fall under conviction, you might have a little bit of this thought too. Because uh, you're wondering to yourself, and I've talked to people who this has been actually so much it's a problem for them. You fall under conviction and you think, a saved person wouldn't do the evil things that I do. They wouldn't think the things that I do. They, wouldn't, why, they would be a better Christian. Maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe this whole thing is just a construct. Um, so I, I suppose the question is, who doesn't feel like a Christian fraud? Because if you don't ever feel like a Christian fraud, I wonder if you're a little too comfortable. I wonder if you depend on that profession, that walk, that dunking, that whatever it is, and you don't even allow yourself to go in that room to think about that part of it. Um, I'm, I work in the technology industry, and for uh, programmers, there's something that's very common. Uh, again, now I'm going to wander slightly away from the Bible for a minute, and then I'll come back. Um, uh, uh, psychological thing, known as imposter syndrome. Has anybody ever heard of imposter syndrome? It's really common with tech people. Um, imposter, I, I, I have an article from Wikipedia, that wonderful source of knowledge. Uh, imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon or fraud syndrome, uh, or the imposter experience, lots of names for it, is a concept describing individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments. And I, salvation is not an accomplishment. I, this, does, this is not a perfect fit, but just go with me here. Uh, with a persistent fear that they will be exposed as a fraud. The term is, was coined in 1978 by clinical psychologist Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, uh, despite external evidence of their competence, those exhibiting the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve the success they have achieved. Proof of success is, and again, I, success, that's not salvation, it's, it's not a perfect analogy. Uh, proof of success is dismissed as luck, timing, or the result of deceiving others into thinking they are more intelligent or competent than they believe themselves to be, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, I've run into this a bunch because I, I've, I work with some really smart people and even these really smart people, um, the people who work for me, a lot, I have a bunch of people who are working with me transitionally. Maybe they're going to college, they finish college and, uh, they're, they're done working with me. It's, it's a planned thing and they're going to go and get their big boy jobs. Uh, and so they're out interviewing and doing this thing and they run into this issue where they feel like they're a fraud. They aren't, they don't really know what they think they know. They haven't accomplished what they've really accomplished. And I think there's a lot of parallels back to this, to, to being a Christian and the constant undermining, uh, by the devil in all the assurances that we have, the proofs that we have in the Bible of, uh, the truth of the Bible and the truth of your salvation that get undermined on a daily basis. And it's not just the devil. You do it yourself too. Uh, and I'll get into that. You undermine your own assurances, uh, which causes this kind of a, again, I'm referring to it here as an imposter syndrome, being a Christian imposter. 
So assurance is the evidence of salvation. Um, so if you have these things, it is proof of salvation in general and specifically yours. Uh, let's go over to uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So that's when I'm afraid. Did I make this up? I mean, I I married my wife when I wasn't saved. She very much wanted me to get saved. It would be very easy to just kind of talk yourself into it. Same thing with every kid who's grown up in this church, or any church for that matter. There's kind of a there's a pressure. There's a pressure to, uh, to say you're saved. And we've had lots of kids come through here who go off to college, then realize, I never got saved. And they come back here and we, we rebaptize them. And that's good that that happens, but it's also bad that it happened in the first place. So, um, where am I going with this? Okay, so second, I'm trying to give you lots of time to find these verses. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. Yeah, I'm not always the first one that gets to this. I'm cheating. I haven't written down. Uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So that's an assurance. If when you got saved, you know there are parts of it that happen over time. Okay, so I give you that. Uh, they're parts of your salvation that you work out over time. But there, salvation is an event, okay? So there's a lot of it that happens. You, you are saved at one time, and there is a radical change period. Bible just said it. So if you look back in your life and you see, you know what? Yeah, there was. I mean, yes, I didn't fix everything right at that second. Um, the Lord didn't choose to fix everything right at that second. But you know what? There was a total change of attitude. There was a total mindset. There was a sea change. I understood before I thought I was in charge, and now I get it. He's in charge, I'm not in charge. Uh, if you can look back and see that, that is a very good assurance. Um, should have set this thing not to lock up on me. Here we go, next. Oh, by the way, I didn't time this. I have no idea how long this is going to take. I'm an amateur. I get a pass. So it might be a real short one. We'll see. Um, John 10, 27. John 10, 27 through 29. And if anybody cares later, these are a whole bunch of really great verses about assurance, and I can give you a copy of my outline. Just grab me and I'll give it to you. So if you want to go back and look at these later. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Do you follow Christ? If you follow Christ, that is evidence that you were saved. If you do not follow Christ, it is not evidence that you were saved. Now, all of us, we're not perfect. We don't, you know, on the magic, the day you get saved, all of a sudden everything's perfect. We all are still humans, and we all still have our flaws. Um, so, you know, there's some judgment that needs to be used here uh, about following and not following. And again, that actually gets to me 
back to something I mentioned earlier, which is I've actually, there's a particular friend of mine that um, had continual ongoing for years issues with this issue of assurance where he would, I think it's a good thing to question your salvation because if you don't, you're too secure in it. And, and again, the Bible actually says to do that. But if you go over and over and over for years and it just undermines everything about uh, what you believe is salvation, because you never really know if you're saved or not, um, that's a problem too. And uh, this is one of the ways that, that that happens, that people say, again, following Christ, I mentioned this earlier, you'll say, well, if I was saved, I wouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. Well, you shouldn't. You don't have to. If you're saved, you don't have to. But people still do. People still do. and that, that, So just if you're not exhibiting 100% of every single one of these things, that also does not mean that you're not saved necessarily. But it doesn't help enforce that you are, which is my point. My point is assurance. Um, Hebrews 12.8. This one's harder. Hebrews 12.8. This is about chastisement. I was trying to find the big banner assurance verses. Hebrews 12.8 says, but, ye be, but if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then, ye, uh, then are ye bastards and not sons. So, if you're chastened, that is a sign of assurance. The hard part is, how do you, I mean, we all have things that are hard in life. And, and so uh, the fact that you're going through a hard part in your life, is that chastening? Or is that just, it's just a hard part of your life? I don't have an answer for you on that. Um, but uh, so I think about parts of my life, I mean, to be fair, I have had a really easy life. Uh, I'm, I have this, the spoiled life. Um, uh, so actually, I mean, there you go. <laughs> hmm. If I have a spoiled life, I don't feel like I've been incredibly chastened. What does that say? I don't have an answer on this. I, I do know that if you've been through tough things and you've leaned on the Lord and he's gotten you through these things, um, and you know, maybe you were doing some things that, you know, clearly you weren't supposed to be doing and that, that all was blended together. I think, again, that is an assurance that you were being chastened. Um, but I don't believe that just because you're going through a hard time, necessarily that you're being chastened. I also don't believe that the big one that people like to talk about, about hard times in their life, is that, or better yet, good times in your life, that that's a sign that you're in or out of God's will. Hello? There's lots of good people who are in God's will who go through horrible times in the Bible. Just because you're having a hard time, for example, I don't know, getting stoned, have your head chopped off, does not necessarily mean that you're outside of God's will. So um, I think that's why I started out saying the whole chastening thing is hard because it's hard to know, you know, are you suffering for the cause of Christ? Are you suffering just because you're dope? Are you suffering because it's chastening? It's tough. Um, But that is an assurance, especially if you can tie it back to the things of the Lord. Um, 1 John 3.14 Here's a favorite of Mr. Abshire's, actually. He talks about this fairly regularly. 1 John 
We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So do you love the brethren? And again, as Mr. Abshire says, I can love you, but that does not necessarily mean I like you right now. <laughs> and if you have children, you understand this concept. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the love definition there is, uh, I think, more of a uh, empathy, big picture care, as opposed to the, you stole my pew, kind of a irritation kind of a thing. Um, but that, again, if you understand that big picture love of the, by the way, the front is always open. If you decide the front is yours, nobody will ever take it. They don't want the front. The front's scary, right? Um, so if you love the brethren, and uh, I, I do, I look at that as kind of a big picture love. Um, um, you know, is your first instinct that you want to try to help people in the church? Is your first instinct when somebody does something that you don't like to try to give them the benefit of the doubt? Try. Um, that is an assurance of your salvation if you love the brethren. Um, what else do we have here? Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, unto good works, have, uh, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, walk in good works. Okay. Yeah, we're not saved by good works. Yes, 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 we know this. However, if you're saved and you're doing good works, not man-level good works, but God-level good works, that is evidence of your salvation. It does not make you saved, but it is what you do after you're saved. So if you're doing the things the Bible says saved people do, that is evidence that you actually are saved. Um, do you do good works? There's all kinds of good works. Um, they're not always what you think they are. Uh, it could be working in the church. It could be being a good neighbor. It could be sharing the word. It could be, there, there's all kinds of, of good works. Um, you know, the obvious ones are actually working in the church, but that's, that's just a small piece of the whole puzzle. Um, we probably hit that one enough. The big granddaddy of all of these different verses that I came up with, the one that was the one that struck me the most, the one that I've thought about this one for years as far as evidence of salvation and assurance, is Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. 5.22 and 5.23. 22 says, pages flip, flip, flip. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
Against such there is no law. So, of course, there's a humanistic definition of all of these things. Um, but we're talking about, do you have, do you have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance in a supernatural way? Do you have them in a way that you never would have had before you were saved? Before, when X happened, but now when X happens, maybe I don't like it, but I am more long-suffering along those lines. Um, I think of some of the loudest most pompous, self-assured Christians, and I think, (laughs) really? Love, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. I mean, certainly there is such a thing as, um, you know, Christian righteous, uh, 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 not self-righteousness, but... uh, uh, a righteous indignation. Ig- oh, forget it. You understand what I'm saying. There's such a thing. The Lord hates sin every day. Okay, so uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But in general, uh, do, would people say these things about you in a in a unusual way? In a like, not just like, yeah, well, you know, he really uh, uh, again, long suffering isn't a word that we use. But patience, um, but in a supernatural way. Uh, and uh, honestly, I th- this is probably my own flaw, but when I read this, most of the time, instead of thinking about people that fit it, I usually think about people that don't fit it. <laughs> I think, wow, I can't believe that person. Uh, but again, that's my own flaw. Um, that is the, the big list of all these different things that are uh, proofs of salvation. Now, you don't have to have all of these in a perfect way to be saved, obviously. But the issue is, and actually this is probably the takeaway for saved people, is if you're not exhibiting, not just this one, but all the different things we went through, because it's your choice what you want to do. Being saved frees you, allows you to do these things, but it doesn't generally force you to do these things. So if you go through your Christian life as a saved person choosing not to do these, all these things I'm talking about, you are robbing yourself of assurance of your own salvation. Does that make sense? You are robbing yourself of it. Because it's here. It's, it's written down. If you do these things, and it's not a, it's not if you do these things and you're saved. Yes, we've been through that before. Um, but this is what you do when you're saved. Um, And conversely, if you look at this list and you really don't have them, well, then you do need to start doing some serious self-examination here. You know, it's because churches all over the country, all over the world, including this one, well, hopefully I wouldn't say, I was going to say are full, all over the world, are, are full of unsaved people. I guarantee it. Full of them. I hope that we're not. But I'm sure there's some. Um, so self-examination. Uh, and Mark 9:24, 
again, referring to saved people, there's always going to be some doubt. And um, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I don't think wondering is bad. I have another verse for that. But there's always going to be some doubt, and this is proof of it. Mark 9.24, And straight away the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He wasn't a little confused. He, he believed. He did, and there was no, if you look around that verse before after, there's nothing that says he, he wasn't saved. Um, uh, the general belief is this man was saved. But he said, help thine mine unbelief. And I think that's where I am when I, you know, again, where I started this whole thing. Uh, um, the self-examination I have to do if I'm going to come up here and teach and go through that, the whole questioning of my whole view of the world and how it works and where I fit in. Um, so here's an example of a saved man who did exactly the same thing. If you do that, that does not mean that you're not saved. Wondering is not bad. Second Corinthians 13.5. Paul had something to say about that. Second Corinthians 13.5. Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. So he's saying, examine yourself. You, should be, you shouldn't be afraid to look at this. You shouldn't be afraid to open the door and let the monster in and talk with him for a while about this. Um... It's, it's hard. Uh, like I said, I, that, this verse that we started with is pretty scary to me. Matthew 7, 21. Um, and if it's not, you're not letting the monster in. I don't think. Um, and uh, that is really the main meat of the message I had for you, was talking about um, what undermines assurance and all the assurance that we have in uh, the Bible and how you living your Christian life develop all of the attributes that come back to the Bible that give you that assurance. So I hope that was helpful to you and that was the message I had for you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.